Because if he spoke to me when I was 14, I never even thought I'd apply to Cambridge. Like, what? Don't be disheartened when your plans change. Because often rejection is redirection. And sometimes rejection is protection. One thing about me, I will always make sure I back myself before anyone backs me. Welcome to Stories That Connect Us, a podcast for storytellers and story lovers alike. I'm your host, Nikki. Stories That Connect Us seeks to unite people through the power of storytelling, providing a platform for everyday people to share their stories. Why? Because everyone has a story. Our stories matter. Sit back, grab a drink and get ready to listen, learn and be inspired. Episode 10, Double Digits. Welcome back. Today I'm chatting with Victoria Iodeji. Victoria is a Cambridge grad public speaker and mentor. She's a winner of multiple awards. She's passionate about enacting social change through access to education. She uses her personal experiences to support people from diverse backgrounds to overcome barriers to education and employment. This episode is for those with big dreams who want to succeed by pushing those barriers out of the way. Let's get into it. Victoria, pleasure to have you on Stories That Connect Us. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I am good, thank you. I was about to ask you the same thing. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. So as a Cambridge University graduate, born and bred in East London, against all odds, you've risen and succeeded in education and in your early career to date. You're here today to let us into how you've done that. And my hope is that your story inspires others with big big dreams so let's not waste a second Victoria I want to dig into your story from where it begins perhaps if we could start by exploring Victoria as a young girl um, what was it like for you growing up in a council estate in East London with parents who immigrated to the UK and therefore wouldn't have had that first-hand experience of the systems and the processes and the way that things work yeah, so I, yeah, like I mentioned, grew up in East London. And I think if I was to probably describe myself when I was younger, I was very shy and introverted. Obviously, I do public speaking now. So I think a lot of people are quite surprised <laughs> when they find out that I'm very <laughs> introverted or I was introverted in the past. I would say I'm still introverted now, but when I was younger, I was a lot more introverted, very shy and reserved. And I think for me, just reflecting on my journey and my story, I think that introverted nature probably added to my personality. So it meant that from a very young age, I was very observant and, you know, very emotionally intelligent, very privy of my surroundings of like, I guess, wider socio-political systems that I had experienced or was observing around me in, 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 in inner city London. And so I think that then also probably added to like my drive growing up and knowing and understanding, I guess, different injustices and also inequalities. And then just knowing that, you know, I probably would have to work harder than most people to kind of, you know, reach my goals or my ambitions. Yeah. So where did you, so just going back to, um, you know, you said that your, or I introduced you and said that your parents had immigrated to the UK. Where had they immigrated from? Nigeria. From Nigeria. So um, just thinking about those, 
inequalities, those injustices that you observed, where did you get the idea from that you'd have to work harder? Where did that come from? Yeah, I think for a lot of people who do have parents who migrated or who migrated themselves, um, there is like the notion that you are going to have to work more harder um, if you are someone who was like a first generation, second generation, third generation migrant. I think that's kind of instilled in quite a lot of young people. So I went to a school that was very multicultural. So I had friends who were also second generation migrants as well, third generation. And I think that was just the general consensus that we had from a very young age. So just knowing that our parents, our family members had very different experiences when they moved to this country. And so we have been given a different opportunity. Now that's not to say that that journey was very easy or has been very easy, but it's just been very different compared to what our parents had gone through, or in some people's cases, their grandparents. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for giving that insight. And I'm just thinking about the one of the questions that I asked right up front was obviously not having grown up in the UK from uh, the perspective of your parents, not knowing some of the systems and the processes and some of the things that aren't quite written down. What What was your experience of that? How did you navigate the systems and the processes, not having someone to say, well, here's how I did it when I was this age in, in year eight or year nine? Yeah, so I think for me, so like I mentioned earlier, my personality kind of meant that I was very just observant. So I kind of... <laughs> just was very emotionally intelligent. A lot of my teachers would kind of tell me that I was like an old soul. And I think, yeah, I just kind of was very aware of, you know, life around me. And I think that then meant that when I was thinking about opportunities when it came to secondary school, I kind of knew that, oh, actually, you know, extracurricular activities are a thing. I probably should get involved with that. What kind of free opportunities can I, you know, come across that are either run by my local council or run by, you know, charities? And so then that's kind of when things, I think for me, started kicking off. So I went to a school that had links with a foundation called the Jack Betty Foundation. And I got involved with the charity through that. And, you know, one thing I always say when I'm doing public speaking events is one thing always leads to another. And through the Jack Betty Foundation, I had the opportunity to speak in front of 2,000 people when I was 16. And that was through a link I had with the CEO of the Jack Petty Foundation, a woman called Trudy. And so that was obviously a great opportunity. I was, it was just a few weeks before. It was my... a massive opportunity. <laughs> Let's not underplay this. 2,000 people, 16 years old, Jack Petty Foundation. And listeners, I will give links to some of these resources and organisations in the show notes. But just thinking about, even prior to you even getting to that point where you mm. were speaking in front of thousands of people, as this, you know, young girl, curious, um, somebody that asks questions, somebody that observes and listens is, is what I'm sensing. What were your hopes and dreams even before you'd heard of Jack Petchy Foundation? Yeah, so when I was a lot more younger, I actually wanted to be a fashion designer. So <laughs> I wanted to design clothes for Rihanna, actually. So who knows if I'll ever meet her in this lifetime. You know, I'm not ruling anything off the cards. Rihanna, if you're listening to this, hello. Um, exactly. I was going to say, put it out there into the universe. Uh, definitely. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, like I actually wanted to be a fashion designer when I was in, you know, primary school. And then I I think just by virtue of, you know, having migrant parents, I think a lot of, speaking to a lot of my friends who do have similar backgrounds to me when it comes to migration stories, 
a lot of them have kind of been like ushered into careers around like engineering or law or within like health and social care. So I think at one point I probably wanted to be a nurse when I was in primary schools. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to my time at sixth form, I went to a school that specialised in STEM. So through that, we had the opportunities to kind of go, because I, you know, grew up in London. We could go to King's College London and, you know, we had sessions with doctors. And then for me personally, on my own accord, I was then very proactive with trying to kind of find out more opportunities about studying dentistry or medicine at university. So when I was in year nine, year 10, year 11, I'd go to any free events that King's College London would run to do with, you know, medicine or dentistry. And then when I was about 14, I realised I wanted to be a dentist. So through that exploration. And uh, yeah, so, and so how guess, did you how did you find out about these free events? Sorry to interject there. Just wanted to just check like where did you find out about these things that were going on? Yeah, that's fine. Literally Google search. Other search <laughs> engines obviously exist, but it was a Google search. And yeah, I literally found so many opportunities through Google's Google. Um again, other search engines exist. Um, but when I was in year 12 the beginning of year 12 so the start of sixth form I went on Google and I was just looking at free opportunities free resources for year 12 students and I came across a charity called the Sutton Trust and they run free summer schools for state school students across the UK and they also have like an American program and also run other events and programs as well oh. and so yeah I came across a summer school for Cambridge that I thought oh this sounds like a great opportunity it's a free program you get to go to Cambridge for one week um all expenses are included and yeah to my surprise I managed to get onto that summer school so I did geography for one week um at Cambridge at Queen's College Cambridge so yeah Google has been really <laughs> helpful just like researching going online um going down YouTube rabbit holes <laughs> for any free opportunities um yeah it's quite interesting how social media and the internet has played an important role because yesterday I was actually running a event on personal branding and networking and I mentioned that when you're in school and rightfully so you're told only really about the negatives of being online when you're applying to jobs they're going to search your Facebook you know you don't want to have any inappropriate photos again all very useful information you're also told about anti-bullying harassment again very useful information but you're never actually ever told about how to utilize the internet and social media for good so I think for me a lot of my journey is honed in by how I utilise social media for good as well. That is such a good tip that I'm hoping that listeners can pick up on is just do a simple search, see what's available, type in different keywords, free resources in whichever town, city or part of the world that you're in. So just thinking about those hopes and dreams, fashion designer for Rihanna, moving into dentistry, thinking about um, geography and, and experiencing these free programmes just obviously your your school played an instrumental role in you know providing you with some of these opportunities through partnerships which they had in place so just thinking about that educational experience that you had what were your or what were the expectations of you growing up in the school in east london regarding what you were expected to achieve what is there anything that you can share there would be interesting to know yeah, so I think I was quite obviously very fortunate that I had supportive teachers, um, a supportive like head teacher as well. And I think, you know, by the time I got to sixth form and I knew I wanted to apply to Cambridge, that's also when I started getting involved with other external charities. 
So I think there's a, there's a lot to be said about, you know, when we talk about education more widely, there's only so much that parents and families can do. There's only so much that teachers can do. So I think when we talk about how to kind of ensure that all young people are able to kind of fully develop and reach their ultimate level of self-actualization, everyone needs to be involved. So thankfully, I kind of came across different charities during my time in sixth form. And then these charities definitely helped me with like building up my confidence and also my ability to know that actually I've got good GCSEs. I can, you know, apply to Cambridge. Even before that, you know, entering school, when they didn't know what grades you were capable of entering in year seven, was there anything, any experience there? Like what were your, how, how did that land for you entering into that school with a myriad of different students, some who had high hopes and some perhaps who who saw education differently? Yeah, I think when I was in year seven, year eight, like primary school, to be very honest, and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting this, I was, yeah, a very average student, to be fair. Um, but I think when I knew I wanted to be a dentist when I was 14, I think my expectations for myself, and as a result, I guess, other people's expectations of me probably changed because I started to work oh. a lot more harder. So I just want to pick up on what you said. Your expectations for yourself changed. Is there any insight you can give into why that might have happened? Why did you suddenly go from, okay, I think I'm just sort of doing averagely well, getting on with things, handing in homework, but not excelling? How did you get from that to that that position where people were looking at you and thinking, okay, this is somebody that has a vision and a plan for what she wants to do? So I think for me, a lot of that was probably spurred on by the fact that I wanted to be a dentist or a doctor. Um, and I, when I was doing my online research, I was literally, I'll literally be 14, 13 years old, go into these university websites, look at the entry requirements, see what they needed, and thought, okay, I need to pattern up, I need to get A's and A stars for GCs, I need to make sure I'm doing these kind of A-levels for my, um, when I get to sixth form, I need to make sure I'm trying to do all these extracurricular activities. Um, so yeah, literally, by virtue of me wanting to be a dentist, it helped me get the motivation to get good GCs. And I ended up getting like the top five GCSEs in my um, my school and then like top three A-levels in my sixth form as well. My goodness, if I could clap and it wouldn't ruin the sound quality, I would be definitely <laughs> doing that right about now. That is no mean feat. It was that decision to explore dentistry and to explore medicine because of some of the expectations of going into those types of careers with with family members who were immigrants and and as you said sometimes there's this path that's okay well if you want to make something of yourself then you need to go into x y and z career do you think that's where this dentistry and medicine came from or was there something else yeah i think that's definitely part of it but then also the fact that i went to an academy that specialized in stem as well like we kind of had that anchoring with knowing that you know, it is difficult to try and get into medical school or dentistry or dental school, but, you know, it's an option available for you. And I think there were different opportunities. I remember when I was in year 11, I, um, <laughs> we ended up going to Eton College for like a sixth form kind of like taster about, you know, applying to um, dental school and medicine. Um, and yeah, that was an opportunity that was, you know, my school had told me about. And funny enough, this was in the summer of the 11th, so when I was about to get, get my GCC results in August, and it was actually through that 
open day that I realized I didn't want to be a doctor or a dentist. <laughs> so I remember I had a, like a massive epiphany um, and I was quite disheartened because I literally spent, you know, two to three years. Planning for this, for this career. Exactly. Actually, I guess in hindsight, that was almost a blessing in disguise that you explored that and were able to say to yourself, despite having worked hard for two, three years, so year nine, 10 and 11, you still had the, the wherewithal to say, this really doesn't sit right. I'm going to do something different. Exactly. And I think that's why, if anything, for the listeners, what they can take away from this is that don't be disheartened when your plans change, because often rejection is redirection. And sometimes rejection is protection. So everything happens for a reason and we learn and we develop and we grow. Yeah, don't get too disheartened and wor or worried about kind of being put off course, because sometimes that rejection, sometimes you having to go to complete to do something completely different that you never even imagined you'd ever do. Because if you spoke to me when I was 14, I never even thought I'd applied to Cambridge. Like what? Like, I didn't know anyone who I was very close with who had, at that age, who was, you know, had, had gone to Oxbridge. I didn't really know what Oxford or Cambridge even were. So I think for me, yeah, I think it's really important to kind of understand that sometimes you can do something completely different, but oftentimes that opportunity that you never even imagined for yourself or for your life, is that an opportunity that you're a lot more aligned to? Oh, yeah, I think what, what that's making me think of is have a vision, have a dream, dream big, but don't be wedded and completely sort of battened down to one thing. Be open to what one opportunity, as you said, one step leads to another. So I'm, I'm definitely getting that. And I'm thinking about, um, you know, taking risks, because obviously if you were planning on getting into dentistry, family, friends would have known that that was the case. And then you decide actually after uh, a taste a day or, or some insight that that isn't for you, then that was a risk to sort of change course. What was, what was the reaction uh, from your sort of family circle, social circle around suddenly doing something different? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you can imagine, there was like a, I guess a bit of like backlash or like, confusion and apprehension but if anything one thing about me I will always make sure I back myself before anyone backs me and I do have this like inner intuition where I know what's best for me and it's actually quite interestingly and I don't ever really share this but I guess I can share it with you and your listeners so when I want to be a dentist because I was very um active in my school community so doing a lot of extra creativities from year eight all the way up until year 12 like I won a school award every single year I got involved with like public speaking I was speaking in school assemblies I remember when I was 14 I got asked to speak in front of a whole school assembly so this is everyone from year seven to year 13 and all the teachers um to speak about the impact of Nelson Mandela so when he had passed away so I spoke about education and I was 14 and I turned 24 this year so I've literally been speaking about education for 10 years you know 10 decade. years a decade a decade Victoria yeah quite remarkable yeah and so because of that it then kind of meant that you know teachers who never taught me knew who I was I guess I was a bit of a beanock <laughs> I was a beanock for being a goody two-shoes basically um and actually if you go to my school like my name is ingrained because I won an award it's ingrained in the school so I won an award in year 12 and so it also meant that I guess my peers also knew I guess what my ambitions were as well so I remember during that speech about Nelson Mandela, I mentioned 
how he talks about or he yeah he kind of talked a lot about the power of education I mentioned you know wanting to be a dentist and I put that goal out to the whole entire school you know like I mentioned year 70 year 13 all the teachers and so obviously like you know when I realized I didn't actually want to be, be a dentist a lot of people kind of thought well, well what do you want to do quite interesting enough as well a lot of people who I knew and again people who I also was not even close with they'll come up to me like Victoria you want to be a dentist obviously that's a good job don't get me wrong but I can imagine you being like a diplomat or you you know being like a politician um or you you know doing something completely different and I kind of look at myself like what like what are you talking about I want to be a dentist you know get out of the way <laughs> don't try to <laughs> stop trying to block my path you know obviously I, I wouldn't tell them that to their face I'll be I'll be thinking it um but you know maybe I'm I'm a Christian I believe in God and I think maybe God was bringing those people into my life to tell me that actually you've you've, you've set your eye on this wanting to, be a, wanting to be a dentist for such a long time obviously that's amazing that's great but I am bringing people into your life I'm bringing opportunities into your life to tell you something different so also one thing I also wanted to add so when I was 14 15 I co-founded a project called Youth Go Global and this was with my with uh, my local council. So what we did was it was a fundraise, fundraising, volunteering, cultural exchange program for young people who grew up in East London. And through that, I went to Hungary in 2015. So after I finished my GCSEs, and then I also went to the Gambia in 2016. So when I was applying to university in year 13, um, again, this was all to do with social advocacy. This was to do with geography. This is to do with social impact, nothing to do with teeth. I, and I think that's what you're getting at is that sometimes people are brought to us to help us to see things differently. Uh, and it's whether we're whether our eyes and ears are, are open to to really take that in. And it seems that you certainly were. So you'd obviously done really well at GCSEs, done amazingly well at A-level um one awards name ingrained in the school so you are forever there which is quite an achievement that you should be proud of and you sort of touched on a number of resources that you used and people that you used in in fact just want to touch on that a little bit more because we know that often uh you know we see somebody succeeding and they've often got there through the help, the support of many other, many other cheerleaders. Yeah. Who was in your corner? Who was there? Yeah, so obviously I had my um, my family. Um, like I mentioned, I had different teachers who were very supportive. Um, and then also I had met different mentors through different organisations. So people I met at the Jack Petrie Foundation who were amazing. Um, so I had a mentor called Chanel Stevens. I also met, yeah, Trudy Kilcullen, who I mentioned earlier as well. And then I had mentors as well from different charities, like Int University, um, Career Ready, Target Oxbridge as well. I can imagine that they um, were in your corner, spurring you on. But as you said, you always back yourself. I will not forget that saying, back yourself. Uh, just thinking about, obviously, you'd, you'd had that week at Cambridge studying geography. That then gave you, I imagine the the impetus to actually apply and and do geography at Cambridge is 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 that correct yeah exactly and then also I had gotten involved with organizations like Social Mobility Foundation um and then they would run sessions on applying to Oxbridge so that also made a difference in regards to believing that oh actually you know they're telling me that I can apply and I the way I think about it if you're applying from the UK you've got five options why not make Oxford or Cambridge one of them 
um and like i mentioned earlier you know you, you learn a lot from your experience whatever the outcome um and you never know what the outcome might be as well so yeah exactly so just thinking about that social mobility foundation it seems like they do offer quite a lot to support and almost is their role to sort of try and level the playing field what what is it that they're trying to do yeah so social mobility foundation insights yeah into university the Sutton trust target oxbridge you know seo london working with young people from less advantaged backgrounds as well and another organization i got involved with during university is called upreach an amazing organization and it actually it was actually through upreach that i got nominated and i ended up winning um two awards at the 2019 student social mobility awards at the house of lords and that was actually on my 21st birthday so that's another organization that really works does amazing work helping young people from less advantaged backgrounds with accessing different careers but also better navigating their time through university moving on to that time at university you got these amazing grades you got into cambridge how did you continue making the most of your three or so years at cambridge tell me uh, some of the things that, that you did and your approach? Yeah, so I think before kind of my time at university, one thing that's quite important to note is that I decided to do a gap year. And I came across what a gap year even was because, so I was the second person from my school to go to Cambridge. The first person had been rejected from Cambridge initially, so she applied to a different college, and then she decided to do a gap year, and then she applied to Cambridge again, and then she got in the second time. But I knew her because I knew her brother. And because I was like, you know, <laughs> this um, very active person in the school community, her brother was in my year group, but she also knew me, even though she was like three years older than me. Um, so, yeah, basically, that's kind of how I came across what a gap year was, was through their family, was through her. And, yeah, she was like, for me, like a big inspiration in my time at school because she had done so well for her A-levels. And obviously she had gotten into Cambridge as well for geography as well. Um, and it's quite funny. So I've actually mentored another student from my school who got an offer to do geography at Cambridge as well so there oh is my like a... goodness. paying it <laughs> yeah. forward Victoria paying it forward I think what I get from there is that actually those systems and processes those gap years these resources that aren't always known to somebody that hasn't grown up here you had the the proactiveness really and the willingness to ask questions. What are some of the things that you think about you that have helped uh, you you um, get those yeses? Definitely. So I think a lot of it is tenacity, resilience, determination, but then also open-mindedness. I think by virtue of me studying geography, geography as a subject encompasses human geography, physical geography. And I think a lot of my personality kind of aligns with that ability to think more widely, that ability to be able to speak to people very confidently, who are students, who are CEOs, people who are working class, people who are not, people who are migrants, people who are not, you know? And I think by virtue of also growing up in East London, it meant that I'd been very privy to that ability to just connect with people from different backgrounds and just do it so effortlessly. So I think that's kind of one thing that I think has helped me. Also on my gap year, like I was interning at a consulting firm for eight months and I was living in Newcastle for a bit. So having that confidence just to kind of, 
you know, say, okay, I'm 18 years old, I just finished my A-levels, um, I'm going to go to Newcastle for this internship, and I've never been there before, just having that confidence just to kind of go forward, um, and then also just the ability to kind of be very empathetic and understanding as well, so when I was at the consulting firm, I would get involved with quite a lot of events that were run for young people, so trying to encourage more young people to get into careers in tech, or to get into like, you know, consulting, or just think more about how they can implement the digital skills in their professional and personal life. And so through one of those events, I ended up meeting a man, and I literally just asked him, I'm finishing this internship in about a month's time, does your charity do any work experience? And then he was like, um, we don't usually, but I'll try and sort something out. And then I had an interview with his colleague, and then I ended up having another interview, and then I got the internship. And so that was also like another example of just like, you know, being very open-minded, being very open and just kind of communicating your goals with people, I guess, communic communicating your goals to the right people. And then to kind of like wrap up my, my gap year, I was also doing a lot of speeches in school. So just sharing my journey. And then also <laughs> I went to California as well. So basically this time, four years ago, I was in California doing an internship in Silicon Valley. That is, that's remarkable. And I think what I'm sensing from all of this is you just shoot your shot. You just ask the question, you put your goals out there. And I guess you have to be prepared, I would imagine, to hear no's. Is that mm. something like, how do you feel about asking the question that you may not always get a yes? When it comes to just my view on like, qu quote unquote, failure, I just see it as feedback. All the people that, you know, people admire in this world, whether that be a celebrity who's like a famous actor or someone who is like an athlete, they would have had to hear so many no's. Or whether or not someone's like a, you know, a very famous, um, wealthy CEO, for example, if you kind of listen to their journeys, if you hear about their journeys, they always talk about how they got so many no's and rejections, but it's not about how many no's you get, it's about how willing you are to push forward to kind of eventually hear that yes. So how do you deal with things when you have heard no, assuming that you have heard no? Yeah. Um, yeah, don't worry. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard no. <laughs> yeah. I guess, but then also I'm very like strategic with what I apply for. So I'm not really someone who applies to 400 jobs. Like I just don't do things like that. I'd rather apply for five and just really hone in my application, if that makes sense. It um, does. So words of words of wisdom there. I think that's like, I'm glad I asked that question actually, because as you said, you're not just... Um, shooting aimlessly is, is probably how I would describe it that's a perfect way of describing it because I think you know obviously people can kind of govern their lives the way they want to govern their lives but I do see a lot of people on social media on LinkedIn kind of you know saying that you know they applied for like 500 500 jobs 300 jobs 200 jobs and obviously it makes sense because you know the more you shoot your shot the more likely you are to get lucky but I think there is something to say about did you tailor your CV did you tailor your application did you try and reach out to people who worked at the company or were you just, you know, having a blanket CV and a blanket cover letter and then being surprised by your rejection, if that makes sense? It does. It does make a lot of sense, actually. So really take the time to tailor, to understand what you want and what the organisation, the company or the internship is looking for and how can you tailor your experience to that. So just thinking about where we are in your journey, we've obviously done the gap year, you've spoken about what you um, really got out of that time, you know, independence and, and internship experience. So anything you want to add about what you, how you managed to squeeze 
every last drop out of your time at Cambridge? Yeah, so, yeah, the reason why I mentioned the gap year was because I think my gap year then also informed how I went about university. I actually, on my gap year, because I had the time, you know, when I wasn't interning, I would go to, I think, yeah, because I was always very proactive, I'd just go to different events in London to do with geography. And I actually ended up meeting another geography undergraduate through that. And then I also ended up meeting um, an academic at Cambridge who was from the geography department. And so when I got to university, I ended up having her as a, I guess, like a contact and like an inspiration. And I think I was so fortunate to have met her because having an academic I knew made like a difference in like my experience, even though I had only met her a few months before I started. And yeah, she's a phenomenal woman. And I think I also was very fortunate with the, so in Cambridge, they call it director of studies. So the academic who kind of, yeah, governs your studies when you're at your college. And so I also had a great, director of studies and I also yeah I think the academics I met in the job department were really really supportive so I was very fortunate and then also like I made friends with PhD students you know <laughs> I was like 19 having friends who were like 28 and I think that's kind of the beauty of just kind of going out and just meeting people. I feel like we could keep talking I mean what are you up to today so you graduated what what year did you graduate from Cambridge? So 2021. So very very recently so around a year ago or so Mm-hmm. What's life been like for you over the past year? Yeah, so I did a gap year, like I mentioned, before going to uni. So I thought, so a lot of my colleagues, um, so I was like 18, 19, and my colleagues were, yeah, 10 years older than me, 20 years older than me, and they all mentioned how they really wished they did a gap year before going into work. So I thought, okay, when I finish university, I'll make sure I do a gap year then. So I've basically been on a gap year for the last um year and a bit so just doing different internships doing more public speaking you know featuring on podcasts (laughs) um and then yeah trying to kind of like hone in my like interests what I'm passionate about um yeah but I guess another thing I wanted to say as well on like you know the university school front I think there's a lot to be said about how young people can have confidence to go and get support especially those from less advantaged backgrounds and I think whether that's getting support at university with you know seeing like a counsellor or getting support on, you know, how to better write essays if you're really stressed out in sixth form. Never bury your head in the sand. It's a lot more easier said than done, but I think it's so important not to suffer in silence. And I do find that when I speak to students who do come from less advantaged backgrounds, they're more likely to kind of, you know, not really ask for help because they don't want to be a burden. So I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, how can institutions, employers be very privy to how actually people who might need the help the most probably you're not going to go and ask for it so how can you kind of package your way yeah how can you kind of package yourself in a way to kind of be approachable and so thankfully during my time at university I was able to meet yeah different people who worked within um I guess like academic support um or like support to do well-being and they're really amazing inspiring people so I think that's kind of one thing I wanted to mention as well like trying to get support those are definite words of advice to to really um, communicate to the audience because I think as you said often the most the ones who are perhaps the most academic and doing well they may be the ones attending all the extra sessions but actually some of the ones who really do need the support to get up to that level are sitting there thinking I don't want to be a burden I don't want to ask for help Mm -hmm. I think asking for help is something that you know many people whether you're a school aged, whether you're early careers or whether you're experienced, people find it tough. And I think acknowledging that it is hard is a good thing because it mm-hmm. makes people feel like, okay, it's okay that I'm finding this hard, but just 
asking somebody who you feel comfortable to ask, um, I think is maybe a way that you can start that asking for help journey. Definitely. And I think also there's a lot to be said about the importance of like visibility or like positive visibility and having those positive role models, even though you don't know them intimately, just seeing someone who's from a similar background to you can make a difference. So when I was in sixth form, I came across YouTubers like Ibs Mo, Courtney Daniela, Renee. I remember vividly watching as well, Nissy T. And so Renee and Courtney had done a video when I was in year 12 about their experiences as, you know, two girls who are from state schools, one who was currently studying at Cambridge and another who was currently studying at Oxford. And it was just so refreshing to just see someone who had similar struggles, had kind of understood your experiences, kind of, you know, occupy that space. And so now what I'm currently doing now, what I've kind of been up to is during my time at university as well. Yeah, just doing a lot of mentoring, coaching, a lot of public speaking. Like I've spoken to probably over like 2000 young people over the last like two to three years. And I think there's a power, there's, there's a lot of power in just sharing your journey and sharing your story. Um, because you never know who you're inspiring. Yeah. You have hit the nail on the head there. Sorry to use another cliche. Uh, you have hit the nail on the head because that's really what I'm hoping that this podcast does. Mm-hmm. Is that by you sharing your story, whether it's a parent, whether it's an educator, whether it's a young person wanting to achieve their big dreams, often hearing and seeing somebody that is coming from a similar background even though they may not be exactly the same and look exactly the same, but actually you can see that connection, it makes you feel like it's possible. And you obviously had that in that young lady who was a three or four years ahead of you who was, had gone to Cambridge and had um, studied geography. That allowed you to see that it's possible. And that's really what you're doing, is helping others to see what's possible. And just want to unfortunately bring this conversation to a close um but what an inspiring woman you are and i look, i'm so pleased that we were able to talk today and that i could give you the stage uh virtual at least to share your story with our listeners where can people connect with you online yeah so i am on linkedin i'm also on instagram and tiktok so at navigate with victoria and yeah, like feel free to connect with me. There's a lot of like power in just kind of having the confidence just to reframe your life every single day or every single month. And it's okay that you're not, you know, the person that you were before. You can become a lot more confident. You can decide to no longer want to be a dentist. <laughs> you know, you can decide to apply for that opportunity you never ever thought was possible. And so even during my time at university, I picked up DJing. And like a lot of my close friends know that I love music. I'm a music enthusiast, but I didn't think I'd go to Cambridge and then as a DJ. Um, So I think there's a lot of power and beauty in just being very open in reframing your mind every step of the way. I'm so pleased that you've decided to add those final last words. So DJing, geography student, public speaker, massive thanks for coming on Stories That Connect Us, Victoria. So until next time, take care. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki. You are welcome. Bye. Bye. My goodness, my cup is full after today's conversation with Victoria. Today's episode was jam-packed with so much information, tips and resources to help people 
who want to achieve their career aspirations. Regardless of background and starting point, check out the show notes, I'll be listing many of them there. Now this isn't to say that external barriers don't exist, they do. But what Victoria has shown is a real life example of how to be proactive, diligent and resilient to achieve your goals and overcome barriers. Thanks for joining into today's story. Please share it with a friend and to help us get to more listeners, I'd love for you to rate the show on your podcast platform. See you in two weeks when we'll be back with my next guest. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me for stories that connect us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you listened, learned and felt inspired. Stay safe, stay connected. Until next time.